Section 57 of The United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Colleen McMahon. The World's Story, Volume 13, The United States, edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 57, On the California Coast in the Thirties, by Richard Henry Dana, Jr. When Richard Henry Dana, Jr. was a student at Harvard, his eyes became so seriously affected that it was necessary for him to leave college for a time. A trip abroad was planned for him, but he preferred to make a voyage to California by way of Cape Horn in the capacity of a sailor. His notebook developed into the famous Two Years Before the Mast, from which the following extract is taken, the editor. We were turned to early and began taking off the hatches, overhauling the cargo, and getting everything ready for inspection. At eight, the officers of the customs, five in number, came on board and began examining the cargo, manifest, etc. The Mexican revenue laws are very strict and require the whole cargo to be landed, examined, and taken on board again, but our agent had succeeded in compounding for the last two vessels and saving the trouble of taking the cargo ashore. The officers were dressed in the costume which we found prevailed through the country, broad-brimmed hat, usually of a black or dark brown color, with a gilt or figured band round the crown, and lined under the rim with silk, a short jacket of silk or figured calico, the European skirted coat is never worn, the shirt open in the neck, rich waistcoat if any, pantaloons open at the sides below the knees, laced with gilt, usually of velveteen or broadcloth or else short breeches and white stockings. They wear the deerskin shoe, which is of a dark brown color, and, being made by Indians, usually a good deal ornamented. They have no suspenders, but always wear a sash round the waist, which is generally red, and varying in quality with the means of the wearer. Add to this the never-failing poncho, or the serapa, and you have the dress of the Californian. This last garment is always a mark of the rank and wealth of the owner. The gente de raison, or better sort of people, wear cloaks of black or dark blue broadcloth, with as much velvet and trimmings as may be, and from this they go down to the blanket of the Indian, the middle classes wearing a poncho, something like a large square cloth with a hole in the middle for the head to go through. This is often as coarse as a blanket, but being beautifully woven with various colors is quite showy at a distance. Among the Mexicans, there's no working class, the Indians being practically serfs and doing all the hard work, and every rich man looks like a grandee, and every poor scamp like a broken-down gentleman. I have often seen a man with a fine figure and courteous manners, dressed in broadcloth and velvet, with a noble horse, completely covered with trappings, without a real in his pockets, and absolutely suffering for something to eat. The next day, the cargo having been entered in due form, we began trading. The trade room was fitted up in the steerage, and furnished out with the lighter goods, and with specimens of the rest of the cargo. And Mellis, a young man who came out from Boston with us before the mast, was taken out of the forecastle and made supercargo's clerk. He was well qualified for this business, having been clerk in a counting house in Boston. But he had been troubled for some time with rheumatism, which unfitted him for the wet and exposed duty of a sailor on the coast. For a week or ten days all was life on board. The people came to look and to buy, men, women, and children, and we were continually going in the boats carrying goods and passengers, for they have no boats of their own. Everything must dress itself and come aboard and see the new vessel, 
if it were only to buy a paper of pins. The agent and his clerk managed the sales while we were busy in the hold or in the boats. Our cargo was an assorted one, that is, it consisted of everything under the sun. We had spirits of all kinds sold by the cask, teas, coffee, sugars, spices, raisins, molasses, hardware, crockery ware, tinware, cutlery, clothing of all kinds, boots and shoes from Lynn, calicoes and cotton from Lowell, crepes, silks, also shawls, scarfs, necklaces, jewelry and combs for the women, furniture and in fact everything that can be imagined, from Chinese fireworks to English cartwheels, of which we had a dozen pairs with their iron tires on. The Californians are an idle, thriftless people, and can make nothing for themselves. The country abounds in grapes, yet they buy, at a great price, bad wine made in Boston, and brought round by us, and retail it among themselves at a real, twelve and a half cents, by the small wine glass. Their hides, too, which they value at two dollars in money, they barter for something which costs seventy-five cents in Boston, and buy shoes, as like as not, made of their own hides which have been carried twice round Cape Horn, at three and four dollars, and chicken skin boots at fifteen dollars a pair. Things sell, on an average, at an advance of nearly 300% upon the Boston prices. This is partly owing to the heavy duties, which the government, in its wisdom, with an idea, no doubt, of keeping the silver in the country, has laid upon imports. These duties, and the enormous expenses of so long a voyage, keep all merchants but those of heavy capital from engaging in the trade. Nearly two-thirds of all the articles imported into the country from round Cape Horn for the last six years have been by the single house of Bryant, Sturgis, and Company, to whom our vessel belonged. This kind of business was new to us, and we liked it very well for a few days, though we were hard at work every minute from daylight to dark, and sometimes even later. By being thus continually engaged in transporting passengers with their goods to and fro, we gained considerable knowledge of the character, dress, and language of the people. The dress of the men was as I have before described it. The women wore gowns of various texture, silks, crepe, calico, etc., made after the European style, except that the sleeves were short, leaving the arm bare, and that they were loose about the waist, corsets not being in use. They wore shoes of kid or satin, sashes or belts of bright colors, and almost always a necklace and earrings. Bonnets they had none. I saw only one on the coast, and that belonged to the wife of an American sea captain who had settled in San Diego and had imported the chaotic mass of straw and ribbon as a choice present to his new wife. They wear their hair, which is almost invariably black or a very dark brown, long in their necks, sometimes loose, and sometimes in long braids, though the married women often do it up on a high comb. Their only protection against the sun and the weather is a large mantle which they put over their heads, drawing it close round their faces when they go out of doors, which is generally only in pleasant weather. When in the house, or sitting out in front of it, which they often do in fine weather, they usually wear a small scarf or neckerchief of a rich pattern. A band also about the top of the head, with a cross, star, or other ornament, is common. Their complexions are various, depending, as well as their dress and manner, upon the amount of Spanish blood they can lay claim to, which also settles their social rank. Those who are of pure Spanish blood, having never intermarried with the Aborigines, have clear brunette complexions, and sometimes even as fair as those of English women. There are but few of these families in California, being mostly those in official stations, or who, on the expiration of their terms of office, have settled here upon property they have acquired, 
and others who have been banished for state offences these form the upper class intermarrying and keeping up an exclusive system in every respect they can be distinguished not only by their complexion dress and manners but also by their speech for calling themselves castilians they are very ambitious of speaking the pure castilian while all spanish is spoken in a somewhat corrupted dialect by the lower classes from this upper class they go down by regular shades growing more and more dark and muddy until you come to the pure indian who runs about with nothing upon him but a small piece of cloth kept up by a wide leather strap drawn round his waist generally speaking each person's caste is decided by the quality of the blood which shows itself too plainly to be concealed at first sight yet the least drop of spanish blood if it be only of quadroon or octoroon is sufficient to raise one from the position of a serf and entitle him to wear a suit of clothes boots hat cloak spurs long knife all complete though coarse and dirty as may be and to call himself espanol and to hold property if he can get any the fondness for dress among the women is excessive and is sometimes their ruin a present of a fine mantle or of a necklace or pair of earrings gains the favor of the greater part nothing is more common than to see a woman living in a house of only two rooms with the ground for a floor dressed in spangled satin shoes silk gown high comb and gilt if not gold earrings and necklace if their husbands do not dress them well enough they will soon receive presents from others they used to spend whole days on board our vessel examining the fine clothes and ornaments and frequently making purchases at a rate which have made a seamstress or a waiting maid in boston open her eyes next to the love of dress i was most struck with the fineness of the voices and beauty of the intonations of both sexes every common ruffian-looking fellow with a slouched hat blanket cloak dirty underdress and soiled leather leggings appeared to me to be speaking elegant spanish it was a pleasure simply to listen to the sound of the language before i could attach any meaning to it they have a good deal of the creole drawl but it is varied by an occasional extreme rapidity of utterance in which they seem to skip from consonant to consonant until lighting upon a broad open vowel they rest upon that to restore the balance of sound the women carry this peculiarity of speaking to a much greater extreme than the men who have more evenness and stateliness of utterance a common bullock driver on horseback delivering a message seemed to speak like an ambassador at a royal audience in fact they sometimes appeared to me to be a people on whom a curse had fallen and stripped them of everything but their pride their manners and their voices another thing that surprised me was the quantity of silver in circulation i never in my life saw so much silver at one time as during the week that we were at monterey the truth is they have no credit system no banks and no way of investing money but in cattle besides silver they have no circulating medium but hides which the sailors call california banknotes everything that they buy they must pay for by one or the other of these means the hides they bring down dried and doubled in clumsy ox carts or upon mules backs and the money they carry tied up in a handkerchief fifty or a hundred dollars and half dollars monterey as far as my observation goes is decidedly the pleasantest and most civilized looking place in california in the center of it is an open square surrounded by four lines of one-story buildings with half a dozen cannon in the center some mounted and others not this is the presidio or fort every town has a presidio in its center 
or rather every presidio has a town built round it for the forts were first built by the mexican government and then the people built near them for protection the presidio here was entirely open and unfortified there were several officers with long titles and about eighty soldiers but they were poorly paid fed clothed and disciplined the governor-general or as he is commonly called the general lives here which makes it the seat of government he is appointed by the central government at mexico and is the chief civil and military officer in addition to him each town has a commandant who is its chief officer and has charge of the fort and of all transactions with foreigners and foreign vessels while two or three alcaldes and corregidores elected by the inhabitants are the civil officers courts strictly of law with a system of jurisprudence they have not small municipal matters are regulated by the alcaldes and corregidores and everything relating to the general government to the military and to foreigners by the commandants acting under the governor-general capital cases are decided by the latter upon personal inspection if near or upon minutes sent him by the proper officers if the offender is at a distant place no protestant has any political rights nor can he hold property or indeed remain more than a few weeks on shore unless he belong to a foreign vessel consequently americans and english who intend to reside here become papists the current phrase among them being a man must leave his conscience at cape horn but to return to monterey the houses here as everywhere else in california are of one story built of adobes that is clay made into large bricks about a foot and a half square and three or four inches thick and hardened in the sun these are joined together by a cement of the same material and the whole are of a common dirt color the floors are generally of earth the windows grated and without glass and the doors which are seldom shut open directly into the common room there being no entries some of the more wealthy inhabitants have glass to their windows and board floors and in monterey nearly all the houses are whitewashed on the outside the better houses too have red tiles upon the roofs the common houses have two or three rooms which open into each other and are furnished with a bed or two a few chairs and tables a looking-glass a crucifix and small daubs of paintings enclosed in glass representing some miracle or martyrdom they have no chimneys or fireplaces in the houses the climate being such as to make a fire unnecessary and all their cooking is done in a small kitchen separated from the house the indians as i have said before do all the hard work two or three being attached to the better houses and the poorest persons are able to keep one at least for they have only to feed them and give them a small piece of coarse cloth and a belt for the men and a coarse gown without shoes or stockings for the women in monterey there are a number of english and americans english or english all are called who speak the english language who have married californians become united to the roman church and acquired considerable property having more industry frugality and enterprise than the natives they soon get nearly all the trade into their hands they usually keep shops in which they retail the goods purchased in larger quantities from our vessels and also send a good deal into the interior taking hides in pay which they again barter with our ships in every town on the coast there are foreigners engaged in this kind of trade while i recollect but two shops kept by natives the people are naturally suspicious of foreigners and they would not be allowed to remain were it not that they conform to the church and by marrying natives and bringing up their children as roman catholics and mexicans and not teaching them the english language they quiet suspicion 
and even become popular and leading men. The chief alcaldes in Monterey and Santa Barbara were Yankees by birth. End of section 57. This recording is in the public domain. Recording by Colleen McMahon.